Welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Manicharian, joined as always by our producer, Justin Stein. And today we've got Alex Vigderman and Bryce Rossler from our research team. We're going to talk about some recent storylines, a couple of things that these guys have looked into, and keep it kind of light today on a Friday. So let's start off with that game last night. Bryce, about a week ago, you wrote about the Bengals' struggles how they haven't had it going offensively the way they did last year. What did you see last night that either corroborated that or went the other direction? So something that went the other direction was the offensive line play. I think they allowed one sack last night, and then against the Giants, they allowed two. And in the first couple of weeks of the season, everybody was up in arms about the Bengals' offensive line. And they're certainly not a very good unit. I don't think anybody would argue that they're one of the best in the league by any means, but they changed the first, a lot of personnel, right? They tried to do um, what the chiefs did a year ago, right? Yeah. They, they had some reshuffling on offensive line. So that unit is still trying to gel together a little bit, but they also were kind of unlucky the first couple of weeks in terms of how often pressures became sacks. I, I think I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think generally like, something like 20% of pressures turn into sacks or or 20% of pressures are sacks, however you want to phrase it. And they were like 50% through the first two weeks, which is abnormal. And they were kind of middling in pressure rate. Yeah, they they were middling in pressure rate. Again, they, they weren't particularly great. They were middle of the pack. Again, not the, not the best unit in the league, but I wrote that I expected that to taper off a little bit. And in the past two games, it has. So they've been moving the ball a little bit better now that they're not having all these sacks that kill drives. But they they still have some of the issues that I wrote about. They still have problems siloing their offense in terms of their run-pass splits. They ran the ball a ton against Miami. For- what do you mean by siloing? What I mean by siloing is in more or less when they're in shotgun, they pass and when they're under center, they run. And that's not atypical, generally speaking. I mean, most teams run more when they're under center and pass more when in the shotgun. And that's just the nature of things. But the Bengals are particularly extreme case of that. They're almost like, I want to say like 90%, close to 90% pass and shotgun and then like 80% run under center, something crazy like that. So they definitely have some tells in that regard. And I try to avoid talking about football and the binary of like, is it a run? Is it a pass? Cause there there's more going on than just what the, the play type was. But when you're talking about tendencies, that, that extreme, that's going to affect you a little bit. Okay. We're in our, First and second down, we're pretty much going to run the ball, maybe do some play action, but you can kind of know what to expect. And then, oh, wait, it's third and 10. Now we're in shotgun and you know exactly what to expect. Not a lot of like cleverness there. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, they're, they're just not, they're lining up in certain alignments to, to do one thing. And they're, they're just going to say, screw it. We're, we're going to run this. There, there's no, there's no attempt to, to disguise what they're doing necessarily. They're, they're pretty transparent about their intentions based on what they come out informationally. So that kind of ties in to uh, Alex, you were doing some research earlier in the week about 
scoring being down and what might be going on there, what might not be going on there. It, one of the things that we looked into was the prevalence and success of too high coverage shells and how that's potentially slowed down offenses this year could be responsible for it somewhat. I think if you look in the Bengals case, they're one of the teams that, Bryce, you wrote, they saw the most too high snaps through the first two weeks of the season and they ran into too high just 23% of the time. So they haven't done it a lot. They haven't done it well. We saw more in the Dolphin game last night. They won, but they struggled to run the ball mightily and got themselves into a lot of those similar long yardage situations. Alex, what did you find in terms of the rise of two high coverages and how that may or may not be having something to do with scoring being down so far this year? Sure. So scoring is down about five points per game total across both teams from last year. And if you sort of drill into where those points are coming from, it's almost exclusively from the passing game. And it's not as though there's a change in run pass splits where teams are like potentially running more often or something like that. Yards per attempt is down by a half a yard from last year. The depth of target is down by like a smidge. There's a little bit of reduction in like accuracy. So there might be some some elements of like, you know, the the reduced existence and and utilization of the preseason might mean that early weeks produce kind of a sloppier offensive performance. We're used to seeing it and it's more temperature related in baseball, but it's yeah. a known fact that April batting averages are going to be lower than the rest of the year. Yeah, that kind of stuff is difficult to to nail down. I didn't see any evidence of like increased blown block rate on the offensive line, for example, but that would be an, a, an example of teams not being quite gelled together. Turnovers are not really a big factor here. The too high thing is definitely like their teams are using more too high coverages than they were last year by a few percentage points. But for what it's worth, like the distribution of of EPA that we're losing per game is sort of evenly split between too high and single high coverages. So whatever effect there is, there there's a little bit of a lean towards the too high coverages, and they're also performing worse in them. But offenses are similarly performing worse in the single against the single high. So there's definitely like a few factors at play, but I think some of the stuff that we've talked about is definitely part of it. I would be interested, and this is not necessarily something that you can capture with data, but I would be interested to know what an increase in two high coverages entails for what offenses are calling in their passing games. Like what, what, is is there any deviation in past concepts that the increase in too high is causing? Because too high, like quarters, for example, generally encourages the ball to be thrown underneath on like low horizontal stretches, like stick and things like that, because you have like it's four high, three under, as opposed to three high, four under. So you're you're you have easier access to that underneath layer of the defense. So if teams are expecting more too high or in are they tailoring their pass game in a way that is depressing the value of the pass game because they're calling concepts that are not geared towards getting chunks downfield or right so generating explosives like i think you might be able to capture with data but off of what alex said the research shows that so far offense is down it's not because of run pass splits it does seem to be showing up in the pass game, not the run game, but it's showing up in both too high and single high, even though 
the too high percentage is up a little bit. So I think what you're getting is kind of where my mind went, which is there might be something to the fact that there's more too high, the fact that offenses are preparing to face more too high, which is a more difficult coverage scheme to throw against blanket statement, super wide, but like you'd rather have one deep safety than two. If you're the offense and you're trying to throw the ball. And because of that, there might be something that's leading to decreased efficiency against all coverage schemes, because now we're having to prepare differently. Like you're saying, the offensive concepts that we're running and how we're running them and where we're expecting the openings to be are changing. And that part could explain why cover one is also becoming less efficient for offenses, not just cover one single high, I should say. So there's more to be explored there. I'm very interested to see how it plays out over the course of the year. We would expect the offense to like catch up for lack of a better word. Yeah. One thing that is also worth spending a little bit of time on is the NFL's extra points blog actually wrote an article as we were doing this research that covered a lot of the same stuff, but one thing that they scooped us. Yeah. One thing that they found that was a little bit interesting is an increase in cover zero usage and you know that doesn't fall into these these single high two right. high conversations and but an increase that does not produce like an overall change in pressure rate for example like there's it's not as though we're seeing a lot more pressured attempts and therefore worse performance so i do think and and to the point about like you know two high shells producing shorter attempts like we're not seeing reduction in in average throw depth. I mean, we're seeing a very small one, but like maybe at a macro level, that isn't true. But in terms of, of when you cut it into certain splits and look at the different kinds of, of concepts being drawn up, there might be some changes in how teams are approaching things that does actually produce a different outcome. Like the average depth of target is an average. So there's a mix of deep targets and short targets where, where maybe the texture of those is actually different, even if the overall aggregate is right. The there may be more deep and more short targets and fewer intermediate yeah. or whatever else. Yeah. Super interesting. On that note, I was looking at the Dolphins Bengals game. And last night, I thought it was interesting. The Dolphins pioneered this cover zero sort of thing. That's I think is behind why we're seeing more of that in the NFL this year. Teams kind of copycatting that one thing that worked. And here it was the Bengals getting their interception, their first interception. I think it was the, was it the tour or the Bridgewater? I don't remember who threw the ball, but I remember it was a pressure look. He threw hot to Gusecki and Gusecki didn't know he was the hot receiver. So I see why Mike McDaniels is frustrated with Gusecki. That's one thing I learned from that. But the other thing is there's been with more cover zero, there's been more okay, we've got to know what our hot is. We got to know how we're responding to that from the offenses. So there's always a chicken and egg, all that sort of stuff. And maybe that is, you know, that is an example of where preparation and having reps and and that sort of thing could contribute, right? You, you, if everybody has a better grasp of, of the game plan and, and what they need to be responsible for, maybe that is a thing that like in preseason having more, more active reps against, I mean, they're probably not calling a lot of blitzes in the preseason that are going to actually help you get those reps. But it is an example of a kind of thing that could be improved with just more opportunity to play with each other. Right. And you don't have to practice hitting the quarterback in order to practice how you want to play against the Zier. All right, cool. One more topic. We said we wanted to keep it light today. Alex, you wrote about underperforming corners through the first couple of weeks of this season. What did you notice there? 
And who are some of the guys that stood out? Yeah. So the draft this past year was notable because a couple corners went off in the first five picks, Sauce Gardner to the Jets and Derek Stingley to the Texans. And, you know, we're talking about a few weeks of the season and just, you know, one big play really makes a big impact. But just in terms of, of EPA per target allowed so far this year, both of those guys are in the, the bottom 15 in the NFL in terms of allowing the most expected points added on their targets. And we're talking about, you know, 10, 15 targets. So, you know, small sample size caveats apply. But the fact that they're on there, especially, you know, there was some talk in the preseason that like Sauce Gardner hasn't allowed a target through two games of the preseason. Like, watch out for this guy. And, you know, this measure does not include target deterrence, but the fact that you're on this list means that you've been targeted enough to qualify. So it's not like he's shutting everybody down and then allowing 50-yard touchdowns on a few plays. So a little bit of just like a calm calm your, uh, your, your takes in the preseason and stuff like that. And obviously, this is the first few games of, of these players' careers, but it is kind of notable that, that both of them are on that list. And then beyond them, also on the list of, of guys who have been relatively struggling at the start of the year, it's names like Jalen Ramsey, names like Trayvon Diggs, names like AJ Terrell, who are three guys who had different versions of successful seasons last year. And all of them are struggling in this respect this year. And that sort of underscores the variability that comes with playing on the back end. That's interesting. Of those three guys, Jalen Ramsey, not worried about him, like surprised that he's on this list, certainly, but not worried long-term. Trayvon Diggs, you can see based on the way he plays. Last year, he gave up tons of yardage, lots of plays, targeted a bunch. That's part of the reason why he had those interceptions. So like, not surprising to see him on this list really at all. AJ Terrell's the one that I'm kind of interested in. We, we had middling grades on him coming out of college, and he's been very good so far in his career. So I'm really interested to see, is there something going on there? Is he potentially going through an injury right now? Like another guy you could talk about, Xavier Howard pulled himself out of the game last night. And he's certainly struggled this year compared to his usual production. And I think that's been the reason why. Maybe that's underlying this for some of these players too. I do think that all three of these guys have some history of being relatively heavily targeted. Like Ramsey in his first couple of years in Jacksonville was targeted like 90 times a season. And when he got traded, then he came, he sort of morphed more into the shutdown target deterrence type guy, but like he was targeted heavily for the first couple of years. And that's sort of what we're seeing now. So there might be sort of a reversion in that way. And even Terrell, who was shut down in a way was still targeted 62 times. So like, it wasn't as though he was totally shutting guys down. And, but what he was able to do was really reduce the outcomes when, when they, when he was targeted, having very low completion percentage allowed low yards per yards after contact per reception, that kind of stuff. So just a different style of player than these other two guys to some extent. You might have some data that would completely shut down my hypothesis, but I would imagine that it is difficult to have a very low target number for guys of the stature, depending on the extent to which they follow the opposing receivers, number one, because at, at some point, like that guy's going to get targeted. You know, I, I imagine it's not reasonable to expect guys who are trailing the opposing team's best receiver week in and week out to 
be completely shut down in that regard. But I, I also don't have any empirical evidence for that. That's more anecdotal. Yeah, we're we're going to be working on some stuff related to these kinds of of matchup things. But in terms of just the examples that we have here, like Diggs, he's allowed seven receptions, all for first downs for 80 yards and a touchdown against Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Mike Evans. So like, yes, absolutely covering guys who are going to have the ball thrown to them regardless of of how great the corner is opposite them. Ramsey allowed the big touchdown to Stephon Diggs. He dropped an interception. So like those two plays really have a huge impact, especially when we're talking about EPA. So yeah, these are our early returns for guys who are going to get a lot of opportunities to, you know, change those numbers. Yep. And they'll continue to be volatile as defensive backs tend to be. Thank you guys for joining the podcast. You can check out some of these articles. Alex is up on the 33rdteam.com. Bryce has his most recent article up on sportsinfosolutions.com. So you can check it out there. Find us on Twitter, all that good stuff. And keep your eyes open. We'll have some new features coming out on the 33rd Team website. If you haven't already checked out The Edge, get over there. And then early next week, we should have some new fun stuff cooked up for you. For Alex Vigderman, Bryce Rossler, and Justin Stein, I'm Matt Manicharian. And thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Off the Charts Football Podcast.